Praise be Jesus Christ. Slava Isusu Christu. Please be seated. Blessed are they who hear the word of God and keep it. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. This comes from the Gospel of Luke. It was the second pericope we read today. The first gospel was about the forefathers. We are now approaching the holy and great feast of the incarnation of our Lord God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you know, all of us have been reading the Bible, especially the gospels, all of our life. And we as children were nourished on Bible stories in the lives of the saints. And of course, we imbibed that and we became to be people of deep faith. Pobozhny, as they say in Slavonic. But sometimes here in America, we are isolated from our ancestral heritage. And you know, in Europe, it was the business of the whole village to teach you how to live a Christian life. And I know of priest friends of mine, I just gave a retreat for priests in Jersey, and John, one of the priests named John, known him for years, he's going to Carpataros for Christmas. He says, I'm leaving now, because he wants to be there among those prayerful people who don't have very much. They're better off than they used to be, but there's still not much to gain there. It's hard to make a living especially our people, they're all sort of uh, subsistent farmers and doing menial jobs. Don't think there is not an educated class, there is, but they don't always re realize their responsibility to their brothers and sisters. The wise people of the Bible, especially the Old Testament, knew the Messiah was to come. And they prophesied it. Isaiah, all the others. In the last week, in the daily liturgies in the, in the monastery, we read from all these prophets and learned how for thousands of years they taught about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they called him especially Emmanuel, God who is with us, Isaiah. And you know, God is with us in a very particular way as we are Christians. A Christian is just not somebody who says he's a Christian. A Christian is one who lives a devout life, asceticism, who models himself on the life of Christ. 
we Byzantine Catholics and all Catholics realize that when Jesus Christ was on the earth, truly God and truly man, he gave us the means to participate in the life of heaven even on this earth. And uh, in Slavonic, we call them the tiny, or in English, we call them the sacraments. So Jesus Christ in the incarnation is the primal sacrament of the church. He's the first one who's truly God and truly man. And he comes to redeem sinners, you and me. And uh, we are the object of his ministry. And he gives us a path to follow, to bring us to sanctity, holiness. So one of the monks was uh, talking to me this morning. They're driving me down so I don't fall. And uh, he says to me, he talks about the monks. He says, you know, there are saints among us, people who are going to be saints. And he feels that. He feels that in the life of those who struggle with asceticism and passion and egotism and all the things that the world teaches us is good, which are, it's not true. They are deceptive gifts of the dark prince, Satan. But he knows well how to get us into trouble. Jesus Christ is coming as we celebrate his birth. He's coming in every sacrament. He's coming especially in the Holy Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And we have believed this since the apostolic church taught it to us. And through the centuries, people have tried to separate us from this ancient teaching of the apostles. But thank God, they have not succeeded. But in order to benefit the most from the coming of the Lord, we have to realize a few things. We have to realize the marks of the church. First, the church is one, it is Catholic, it's apostolic, and it's liturgical, prayerful. When we were at our best is when we pray. When we are at our worst, it's because our prayer life is weak. As we come to this holy feast, we call to mind once again the adorable child that was born in Bethlehem, body, blood, soul, and divinity. We must remember when he came amongst us, he did not leave us as orphans, but he gave us his divine touches, how he communicates himself to us, first of all through baptism, 
which makes us a child of God and frees us from all sin. But it presupposes you're going to receive chrismation, which are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, your personal Pentecost. And thirdly, you're going to eat the heavenly food, body, blood, soul, divinity, Jesus Christ in Holy Communion. We call it the real presence amongst us. And so now as we appear in church, especially on the Lord's Day, remember in the early church, they used to go to the temple uh, with the Jews, but they were soon uh, cast out anyway because they uh, were talking about our Lord, and the Jews didn't like that, so they cast them out. And then they started to do as the Acts the Apostle told us. They gathered together on the first day of the week for the breaking of the bread. So the Jewish Sabbath was reduced, but the Lord's Day of new time, the eighth day, as we say, the heavenly day was given to us. And so we gather together on the eighth day. We call it Sunday. It's, that's a pagan name for the sun. It's a Roman name. But it's the Lord's Day for we Christians. And we eat his body and drink his blood in a holy meal. In order to prepare for that, we, if we need to, we always make a good confession to keep evil far away from us and to repent of our sins. After all, the gospel says, Jesus Christ came to save sinners. That's you and I. And we know our weaknesses, but we must fight them so we can become the saints that the early church was. I've been especially reading second century church. And I'm reading a book now by an Orthodox author about paradise. He talked about the church, he's talking about the church when it was all together and one. I'm not too far into the book, but I'm very much impressed with him. And he, he points out all these wonderful things that happened in the early church. Now, the early church was completely under persecution. And people would rush to be die just because they knew they were going to eternal life in heaven. And we should remember that our goal is not here on earth. It's eternal life in heaven. And yet we spend more time educating our children so they can make money, but not a lot of time giving them formation for heaven. I want to go one step further and say, heaven begins on earth in your heart, where God lives by his divine energies. And those energies that it gets from God, of part of his interior life, but not God's nature, never, but they come to us because Jesus Christ is the first sacrament. And he instituted these signs, as it's called in the scripture, to give us the life, eternal life. Now, you know, 
Adam gave us death. And Eve helped him. She handed him the fruit, whatever it was. I have an icon I saw it in the book. It's sort of comical, but there's Adam, the dummy. And there's Eve sitting in the tree, and she's holding some kind of fruit in her hand. There were two trees in the garden, the tree of good and evil and the tree of life. And Eve chose to give him the fruit from the tree of good and evil, like we needed to know that. But today we celebrate again the feast of Our Lady Guadalupe. It's peculiar to the, to the Western Hemisphere. John Paul II, when he came, he dedicated the, this part of the world to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Actually, not well known in the Eastern churches. We don't know about that. If it didn't happen in the first 800 years, it just don't happen around us. But I notice now in our Tipicon, her feast is listed. Mexico, places like that, it's a great feast for her. She is the new Eve, the Blessed Virgin. What was destroyed by Eve of old was given back to us by the Blessed Virgin when she gave us the bread of life, body of blood, soul, divinity, Jesus Christ. She bore him in her womb. There is nobody as holy because we know if one person, the Blessed Trinity, is there, so are the other two. And so we talk about the forefathers today. All those wonderful people from the Old Testament, written like David, people like that, because Jesus was the house of David, the royal house. Mary was both, both of a house of David and the priestly class. She was both the child and her family of priest and royalty. When the angel came, you shall conceive Mary and bear a son, his name will be Emmanuel. She said, let it be done to me according to thy word. And Joseph came to her rescue. That's for another talk. But there is no holier person than Our Lady and there's no greater gift than her saying yes to God so the incarnation would take place. So Eve's no was destroyed by Mary's yes. And she gave born to the beautiful child who came to die on the tree of the cross, the tree that took away life from us, now gives us life because the fruit on that tree is our Lord. These parables in Scripture from the Old to New Testament are taught to us by the ancient fathers. We have all sorts of people who think they know Scripture. Nobody knew Scripture like the early church. And much of what is preached now is just imaginary. But this is the truth. So today is the feast of the four, four brothers and of Our Lady. They come together. And we rejoice, rejoice to have the relics of our Blessed Mother 
out today. They're over there on the side altar. We're very fortunate to have them. They're 2,000 years old. There's a little piece of her garment, of her belt, and the one, the one really unusual one is a little piece of her hair. There's only three or four pieces where you can find that. Mary Merger in Rome and a couple other places. But I was fortunate enough to get this relic from the Russians, by the way. Interesting. We're blessed to have this relic. We have a little bit of the body that bore the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came into the world to give us life. He died on the tree of the cross and rose in glory in giving to us the Holy Eucharist. In John 6, he says, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you do not have life in you. And we are still fed with that life, the apostolic priesthood. I wonder with amazement and love at God how he could do such great things for us and that we leave the gates of the church or the doors, we go out into a secular world and we forget what the priest has taught us. We forget what's in the Bible. Our struggle for life in America is not as bad as our forebears had to struggle in Europe. And we have a fairly decent standard of living. But we use that as an excuse to not remember we are dependent upon God. It could disappear overnight. Our civilization is fragile. It could break apart. But our love for Christ is not fragile. It will bear us to new life. To a civilization where there's no pain, sorrow, mourning, but life everlasting. And each time we receive our Holy Lord in communion, we receive him body, soul, and divinity. And the fathers say, in their poetic way, that the Blessed Virgin was the oven that prepared the bread of life uh, and baked it for us when she was forming our Lord in her womb. I spend a lot of time praying about heaven. And one of the most beautiful things I learned from Revelations and Acts is those pictures that God gives us from heaven. As you walk into the church over the doors, there's the picture of the Last Judgment from Acts. That's not the traditional one, but I fell in love with it, so I had it painted. I think, who am I to be God's priest? Who am I to have Mary as my mother because she is the mother of priests as she was the mother of the great priest. Who am I to participate in the priesthood of Jesus Christ? Who am I to stand at the altar and take the bread and wine and turn it into the body and blood of Christ? 
which was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered and purchased by her, crucified, died, and buried, is glorified in heaven. And what's he like in heaven? According to scripture, he's beautifully robed in white and gold. Fire comes from his eyes. The wounds of his suffering are his hands and feet. And he still sends us graces from heaven. He still comes down by the power of the Holy Spirit into the chalice at the Holy Eucharist. I told you last week, you should make a good confession and prepare to receive our Lord in a special way in Holy Communion at Christmas time. It's our Ruthenian custom to always do that. And come beautifully to God, washed of all sin, having done your penance, having fasted, and falling in love again with the gift of the Holy Spirit through the wound of the Virgin Mary, the gift of the Father. Christmas Eve is coming, it's about two weeks yet. We call in our church the Patrimony of the Father. That evening we'll have liturgy and vespers and we'll receive Holy Communion. That evening we'll recall the love of the Father by sending the Son in the cooperation of the Holy Virgin and how beautiful she is as she prays for us still. We'll think of the heavenly realm and how God dwells amongst us through his sacraments. That we too are incorporated in the heavenly realm because the divine energies come to us. Not the, de the deifying energies from the Father to the Son and the Holy Spirit. We call it the life of grace. It is not now like Paul says, not I that live, but Christ lives in me. I always remember our church in Yonkers, and we would usually have a Grand Compline. The monks will have that later. And uh, we'd go to church. The church would be packed. And the priest would speak. He would preach in both English and Slavonic. And he would say, and I've told you this before, little God comes to us. Božičko prizeme na nas. The little child who comes to save us from ourselves. The little child who reaches out with the gifts of his body and blood. The little child who walks with us every day because we live an ascetic life, a life of grace. Don't miss the boat. Walk with Christ. Be holy and stay close to him in the most blessed sacrament of the altar where you receive that little child as he is in heaven in glory, body, blood, soul, and divinity on the appearances 
and bread and wine. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.